this morning, we start our walk down the faith hall of fame by continuing in Hebrews chapter 11, working through verses 4 to 7. We're going to encounter three men whose lives are spoken of in the book of Genesis. Our text today speaks of the rewards, the reward that these men received. As we explore their stories, may we understand and recognize that the reward is not just for them, but for us today as well. Let's read the word of the Lord, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 4 to 7. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. And by faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For when he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he, com- he condemned the world and became the heir and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Thus ends the reading this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. I pray this in your name. Amen. In 2014, the Indianapolis Colts faced off against the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game, with the winner earning a trip to Super Bowl 49. It didn't, it didn't go that well for the Colts. They got absolutely smashed 45 to 7. While the Patriots went on to beat the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl. The following spring, there was a a new banner hanging in the rafters of Lucas Oil Stadium, the home of the Colts. Now, many teams will hang a banner in their stadiums to celebrate significant victories. There are many AFC and NFC championship banners, and, and definitely. Banners for the Super Bowl hanging in, in stadiums all over the U.S. But this, this banner wasn't one of those. This banner read, 2014 AFC finalist. Chris Chase at USA Today Sports wrote this about the banner. 2014 AFC finalist. The word just rolls off the tongue. What does it even mean? That you almost made it to a point where you could almost have hung up the runner-up banner? It's like getting a special graduation sash that honors you for finishing in the 65th percentile of your class. The Colts were mocked incessantly on social media. For that bit of time, they became the poster child of participation awards. The Colts didn't win. They weren't even the champions of the AFC or the NFL. And instead, they were celebrating just participating. They were celebrating just being there, getting to play in that particular game. 
We enjoy being rewarded for our accomplishments, don't we? We want to receive credit for things that we have done well, even even if we weren't the best. Even if things don't ultimately end up the way that we had hoped they would, we want people to recognize that we did well. We want to be rewarded. In our text this morning, we come across three men from ancient times that did well, and they were rewarded. Today, we'll be looking at Abel, Enoch, and Noah. We read of Abel in Genesis chapter 4. Abel was the second son of Adam and Eve. And he was a shepherd. Abel's older brother was named Cain, and Cain was a farmer. The account in Genesis 4 tells us that there came a time when Cain brought an offering to the Lord. He he brought some of his fruit of the ground. He brought some grains and tomatoes, a few carrots and some potatoes. And we read that Abel also brought an offering to God, but what Abel offered differed from what Cain offered. You see, Abel offered the firstborn of his flock. He brought the fattest, the juiciest of his sheep. And this is what he offered to God. And God was pleased with Abel's offering, but he was not pleased with Cain's offering. Why? Why did he like Abel's offering, but but he was not impressed with what Cain brought? Some will tell you it's because Cain offered produce. He offered grains. Vegetables, the fruit of the earth, while Abel offered sheep, offered an animal sacrifice. But that, that doesn't really hold water when we read further into the Old Testament and recognize that grain was also an acceptable sacrifice to bring to the Lord. Some, some people were shepherds and, and, and some were farmers. And God allowed for both to be able to offer an acceptable sacrifice. So what was the difference between Cain and Abel's Sacrifice. Faith. We read in our text this morning, by faith, Abel brought God an offering, a better offering than Cain did. You see, Cain, he brought a grouping of of, of vegetables. He brought a grouping of of grain to God, but they weren't weren't his best vegetables. They They weren't the best vegetables that he pulled from his field. They weren't the juiciest tomatoes and and the biggest carrots. He kept those to himself. They provide the best taste for eating and and the largest portions, so they go the farthest at the dinner table. It's important to hold on to the biggest and the best so that you can make sure that you will be well fed, right? But Abel brought to God the best eating of the flock, the juiciest morsel in the field, These were the sheep that would feed him and his family well. These sheep weren't sickly. They weren't dying. There was no fear of them passing away prematurely. He could rely on these sheep. But Abel trusted in God. He had faith in God. And though these sheep were the best, the sheep that he could have the most confidence in, these were the sheep that he sacrificed in worship to the Lord. He was praising God through offering the best he had while trusting, having faith in God's provision, in God's ability to supply, now that the best was gone. Abel had faith in God. And here we read in our text this morning that Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. 
We can continue to look at the life of Abel, the short few paragraphs that tell us of his life in the Bible, and they speak to us today. They encourage and instruct us thousands of years later. The next character that we meet in our text is Enoch. His story is four sentences in Genesis chapter 5. There we read that Enoch walked with God, had faith in God, and that he was the father of Methuselah, who would live to be the oldest man ever at 969 years old. That's a long time, man. 969 years old. Enoch had other sons and daughters, but he only lived to be 365 years old. Just, just 365. That's all that Enoch was able to make it to. For we read in Genesis chapter 5, 24, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. It doesn't say that Enoch died. It just says that God took him. God went out, you know, dude, dude went out, Enoch went out for a stroll and just never came back, for the Lord took him. And then our text this morning gives a little bit more detail. And then it becomes clear that Enoch did not die. For according to our text, he did not experience death. He was taken. But before he was taken, he was commended for his faith. God was pleased with him because of his faith. And then in Jude chapter 14 and 15, we get a little more clarity on the life of Enoch. We read that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them, prophesied about the people of his time, saying, See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them, all of the ungodly acts that have committed in their ungodliness and all of the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So in Jude we read and we find out that Enoch was a prophet. (laughs) He was a prophet. And since he was alive before the flood, when men lived a much longer time, dude was a prophet for like 300 years. And who was he prophesying to? The group of people that became so evil that we read in Genesis 4 or Genesis 6, 6 to 7. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. For I am sorry that I made them. Mankind walked so far from God that God had regrets about even creating them in the first place. And this is the audience of Enoch. These are the people he spent hundreds of years prophesying to. I think of the prophets of old. I think of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. I think of Elijah and the persecution that he faced hiding out in the wilderness and being pursued by Ahab and Jezebel. I think of how the prophets of old were treated. As Stephen says in Acts before he was stoned, the people killed the prophets. They didn't like what the prophets had to say. They wanted to be able to live in the way that they wanted to be able to live. And so those prophets, though some of them had abbreviated lives and some made it to an older age, none of them lived to be 300 years old. These guys, I mean, they lived at a time when it wasn't fun to be a prophet. Like, this wasn't an enjoyable profession. 
Most of them were put to death. Most of them, the people didn't want to hear what they had to say anymore, and so they just put them to death one way or another. Isaiah was like sawed in half with a, with a saw. It's horrible. Not a good way to go. And here's Enoch living a life that nobody wanted to live for 300 years. Prophesying to a world gone mad. Calling people to repentance that ultimately never heed that call. Can you imagine? Can you imagine living a life of ministry and never seeing any fruit? Only receiving ridicule and scorn and watching the people sink further and further into their sin. What a nightmare. What a total nightmare. And yet Enoch walked with God. Enoch trusted in God. Enoch had faith in God. And God took him. We don't know exactly what that means. Other than we know that he he didn't die. What a fascinating story. And speaking of stories that are fascinating, this one is followed by that of Noah and the ark. Now I'm sure many of us are familiar with the story of Noah. The story starts in Genesis 6. Right after God says that he is sorry he made man, we get the sentence, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so God comes up with the plan to purge and at the same time save his creation. He's going to send a flood that will cover the whole earth, but he's going to have Noah build a boat. And in that boat will be Noah and his family and two of every animal, every creature in the world. How would you respond if God asked you to build a huge boat? Or maybe something even crazier, like like forgiving that person that hurt you or proclaiming the truth of the gospel to someone who is willing to listen. Well, Noah built the boat. And the people thought he was crazy. He built the boat without even realizing why. Now, there's there's a real debate on if it had even rained to this point. Noah could very well have been building this boat in the middle of what used to be a forest before he used all the trees for his monstrosity. And having no idea why, no understanding of rain or floods or what any of that even means. This is supported in our text this morning where we read that Noah was warned of things not seen. He had no idea what was coming. He just knew he was supposed to build this boat. And it's not like this was something he could do overnight so that no one would notice. This was a huge boat, and it took him and his family over 100 years to build. There's no hiding this thing. And yet, despite the ridicule, despite having no idea how everything was going to come together, having no real sense of how this boat was going to get to water or water was going to get to it, Noah built the boat. Noah had faith in God. And because of that faith, he and his family were saved. When the flood came and wiped everything else out, Noah and his family were safe in their boat of faith. Though the storm raged around them. 
And so from a particular perspective, a certain perspective, we see the rewards that these men were given for their faith. Abel's name, we read, will never be forgotten. And we read that Enoch didn't die but was taken. And we read that Noah was saved when everyone else perished. Is this why these men did these things? Is this why Abel offered his first fruits, his best sheep? Is this why Enoch walked with the Lord in the face of all the adversity and hardship that came against him? Is this why Noah built the ark? Was it for the rewards? Was it for what they would get or what they would avoid? Or was it because they believed in God? Was it because they had faith in God? Why do we walk in faith? Is it because we are trying to earn something? Is it because we are trying to avoid something? Or is it because we believe God? Is it because we have faith in God? Each of these guys, Abel, Enoch, and Noah, they traveled a hard road. Their journeys of faith weren't a walk in the park, but their faith was rewarded. But it wasn't rewarded the way we initially think. Abel's reward was not that his name would be remembered. Enoch's reward was not that he hasn't yet died. And Noah's reward was not that he was spared when the rest of the world was not. For what is the reward of faith? We read that because of Abel's faith, he was commended as righteous. And Noah became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Enoch was one who who pleased God, and and as we read in our text this morning, without faith it is impossible to please God. And furthermore, we know that only the righteous can please God. Faith awards righteousness. Their rewards were not the physical things that happened or didn't happen to them here on this earth. Their rewards are eternal. God rewards faith with righteousness. Again, just so that we are being very clear, they were not rewarded because of what they did or the actions they took. Abel was not proclaimed righteous because he gave his first fruits. Enoch did not please God because he was a more moral person than anyone else living at that time. And Noah isn't righteous because he built the ark. These guys didn't receive participation awards. There is no participation banner hanging from the rafters of their stadiums. The actions that they took sprung out of the faith that they had. Abel gave his first fruits because he had faith. Enoch walked with the Lord because he had faith. Noah built the ark because he had faith. It is the faith that is being rewarded. Not the actions that sprung out of the faith. Though they are commended for those actions. Those actions please God, but it is the faith. It is because of their faith that they are declared righteous. They did not participate in their righteousness. Righteousness was awarded them because of their faith. And the same is true for us today. Though we may want to climb the rafters hanging banners to show everyone how great we are, show everyone how well we have worked at all that we have achieved, 
we don't even get to hang a participation banner. For we do not participate in our righteousness. No matter how moral we may think we are, no matter how well we obey the laws, no matter how much injustice we stand up against, no matter how honest and truthful we are, we do not participate in our salvation. For by faith we have been saved, not by works, as we read in Ephesians 2. It is by faith. Faith is belief. Faith is is trust. Having faith is believing God, not just believing in God, that there is a God, but believing God. There's a difference between mental assent, between intellectually acknowledging the presence of God, or a God, and biblical faith. Biblical faith is believing God, believing that what he says is true. It's, it's trusting God, trusting that he is who he says he is, that he did what he said he did, and that he will do what he has promised to do. This is biblical faith. When we believe in Jesus, when we believe that he is the son of God, when we believe that he took all of our sin on his shoulders, took ownership of all of our sin, and that he died in our place for our sin, but that he rose again from the dead, conquering sin and death, then we believe all of it. When, when we believe all of this, when we are putting our faith in all of this, and the Bible tells us that we have put on Christ, that we have been robed with Christ, covered with Christ, and so when God sees us, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our unworthiness. Instead, he sees his son. He sees Jesus. And because of Jesus, we are declared righteous. Because of Jesus, we can have a relationship with the Father. Because of what Jesus has done and the faith that we have been given, we are awarded righteousness. Because of your faith, you are righteous before God. How does that feel? How does it feel to know that because of Jesus, because of the word of someone else, because of the work of someone else, and your belief in that work and your need of it, that you are righteous, acceptable before God? That overwhelms me. It absolutely rocks me. In some ways I can't grasp it, and in many ways I can't understand the logic behind it. But man, I am so incredibly thankful for it because I know that I need it. I need it. For I can't do it on my own. I can't do it on my own. None of us can. As we are caught up in this wonderful, this scandalous grace, this reward of the faith that has been given to us, It feels appropriate to follow up with one simple question. How will we respond? How will we respond? How will we respond to this amazing, fantastic, and loving God that we serve? Amen.